Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here at the Wondery Sunset Studios, and I'm all by myself. It's the Little Sisters' Revenge today. Liz and Julie are still off in Patagonia, Argentina. If you've been following along on their... (laughs) their Instagram feed, you know, it's very windy there and very hikey. They're doing a lot of winding and a lot of hiking. They will be back next week and they're going to tell us all about it. Um, Later on in the show, I'm talking to writer and author Beth Howard. She has a new memoir out called Housefrau Honeymoon, which is a delightful look Well, a delightful and kind of tough look at her life as an expat living in Germany with the love of her life. But Beth has also been a best-selling author with books about pies. So we're going to talk to her both about the expat life and the pie life. Uh, We're going to catch up with her later on in the show. But we have someone very special on the line. Now, last week on Satellite Sisters, we had our sister Sheila here. She filled in. We had a very funny post on the Facebook page that said, Lord, how many sisters are there? And there are five sisters total. And today, calling in from the coffee break room at her job, Monica Dolan from Portland, Oregon. Hey, Monty. Hey, Leon. Well, you know, you told me the line is always open for me here. And I appreciate that. And when you said that, that really sold me on coming on the podcast today. Um, I I don't have exciting, like, thinning news like (laughs) Sheila has. Yes. You haven't invented a new sport or anything? Okay. (laughs) No, I don't have any new workout routine. And certainly I'm not doing any thinning like Sheila. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just thought I would check in, say hello, see how the Satellite Sisters are. Well, uh, for many listeners or some listeners who are new to the show, they they were unaware that we have two other sisters. For many years, we all did the show together. Over the course of the last couple of years, people went off to do their own things. Monica, one of the reasons you're not on the show is you have a full-time job and you work like many Americans on Tuesday, mor- <laughs> Tuesday mornings when we record the show. But why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself for those of you who might not be familiar with Monica Dolan? Okay. Thank you, Leon. Oh, it's like my own segment. Yeah. Love it. Um, Well, I've been a nurse for X number of many years. I'll just leave it at many. Um, And a couple of years ago, I switched from being a bedside nurse and I work in clinical research. So I do drug and device clinical trials. And the area I work in, I work at the big university hospital in Portland. And I work in the neurology department, which was new for me, neurology, and with stroke patients. So I work with patients come into the hospital, they're having a stroke, or they've had a stroke, and we try to put them into clinical research trials and try out new drugs and treatments on them. And then we follow the patients for a number of years. And so I've been doing that for 10 years here at OHSU, and I have a little closet that's my office. It, it, it's a good job. It's a good mix of uh, patient care and office work. So it's sort of a desk job, but I do get to see a lot of patients and families and go down to the ICU. And uh, I make house calls, which is very exciting because, you know, I like to travel. Um, so I drive to all over Oregon to see these patients after they've been put in the trial because we have to follow them for a number of years to see how they're doing. So that's my job, but it's, you know, pretty much Monday through Friday. And then I also have to be on call, which is quite exciting sometimes (laughs) (laughs) Um, because patients come in and they're having acute strokes and 
that happens at all hours of the night. And so we come in on the weekends or come in after hours and, you know, see the patients and try to enroll them in clinical trials. So that's what I'm up to. But it's pretty much, you know, a full-time job. Uh, Monday to Friday. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to preview uh, your appearance on Satellite Sisters because I was afraid that you might have a medical emergency, that you might actually not be able true. to come on. And I didn't want to deal with the, the disappointment that your legions of Lab Rats <laughs> fans would feel. <laughs> so, thank you, Leah. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Leah. I'm just looking out for you, Monty. Just looking out for you. Yeah. All right. Anything yeah. else happening? What else is happening? So you're, you're nursing. Really? What's happening? You're, I'm nursing. I I don't have any pets. I'll just I'll just get that out of the way first because I know people are going to ask me, don't have any more pets. But I did have a very fun trip last month. So occasionally I get to go to meetings, work meetings, and they try to hold them in nice places so it will attract people to attending the meetings. So I thought I would take me a little live TripAdvisor report for you, Leanne, because, you know, I do love TripAdvisor. It's one of my favorite websites, but I don't post trip reports there. I just sort of use it. Because You're a lurker? I, you lurk? I'm a, I'm a lurker. I'm just trying to reduce my internet footprint. You know, once you post a trip, they seem to like bug you about more trip reports, but I do love TripAdvisor. So I was so excited. I got invited to go to a meeting in San Juan, Puerto Rico last month, which was, I will just tell you, I closed the door in my office and I was just jumping up and down. I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I I really, really love Puerto Rico. Now we went as kids, remember, Liam? I do. Too big. We had two big family trips there when we were kids, and then about four or five years ago, I got to go to another meeting in San Juan, uh, same work-related uh, drug study meeting in San Juan, so I'm super stoked to go on this trip. So, of course, you know, the wheels start spinning for me. Vacation planning is, it's it's one of my pastimes. It's, it's it is. Hobby. Yeah, I you spend it. a lot of time planning your next vacation. And you have for 20 years. This is not new. For 20 years you've been doing this. I know. Sheila always says, Monica has never met a vacation condo that she didn't like. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to fly. It's 12 hours from the West Coast to fly to Puerto Rico. I'm not going to fly there for the meeting and then turn around. So, and I do love my beach vacations. I know I should get more culture in my life. I feel like I know I should go to Europe. I know I should go to Thailand, but I really just want to go to the beach sometimes and relax and and renew and swim in the ocean. So so I planned this whole sort of after-meeting beach vacation. But I'll start with the good part. We went to Old San Juan, which was fabulous. It's beautiful there. It was clean. It was safe. It, it was old San Juan is so charming and it's very lively, but it's not crazy. Um, so we, and we had a nice group from work where I went with a couple of fun neurosurgeons and yes, those do exist. <laughs> not an oxymoron. Very fun neurosurgeons and we had a physical therapist from OHSU. It was really a fun group. So we had like two nice nights in old San Juan. Um, and a little subplot to this is that uh, when I found out the week I was going to be in San Juan, I also was totally clued into the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda was bringing Hamilton to San Juan the exact same <laughs> weeks I was going to be there. So I think I texted you and Liz yes. when I found that out. Yes. I was ter- terribly excited about this, about the possibility of getting a ticket and the possibility of maybe seeing Hamilton in San Juan with Lin-Manuel, 
Miranda. So, of course, I registered for the online site. I, I set alerts on my phone. You know, the day the tickets went on sale, I was going to get up early. And for some inexplicable reason, I overslept. Oh, <laughs> I overslept and I missed out on getting the tickets, Leanne. Oh. I, I just, I, I feel really stupid. But, <laughs> okay. you know, I, I just, I moved on from there. I yeah. was like, well, now I don't have to worry about what night I'm going to see the play in San Juan because I'm not going to see the play. So I just have to move on. So <laughs> yeah, I that's a relief. <laughs> it's a relief not to have to schedule around Lin-Manuel. That's the way I feel. <laughs> I know. It was a bummer. You know, I, I, we were actually there on the Friday of opening night. And I will say there was a bit of Hamilton excitement in old San Juan. Like I saw there were some Hamil fans staying at our hotel who were going to see it. And I think... The Jimmy Fallon taped, uh, did a music video in Old San Juan, and that was the day we were there. So, you know, there was some excitement about it. I got that. But um, but I, I decided to move on and find sort of the perfect beach spot for me, and I, I really think I did. So I went to, I found this place uh, on the northwest coast of Puerto Rico, which is still the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. It's not the Caribbean Ocean. Um, and it's a town called, or an area called Isabella, Puerto Rico. It's about two hours from San Juan. And I found this place. <laughs> it, it, I really, really loved it there. Um, it was called Villa Tropical. Um, it was on a place called Shack's Beach. And it was this enclave of like 10 houses right on this beautiful three-and-a-half-mile, practically deserted beach. So there's a bunch of beach houses there, and Villa Tropical, they've divided them up. They're like three stories into beach apartments. So I rented this, the rooftop sort of beachfront apartment, the one-bedroom apartment, and it was just wide open views of the beach all day and all night. It was really, really lovely for me. It was just quiet. Um, I was reading the reviews on TripAdvisor and they're like, once you see this place, you'll never want to leave. And I was like, well, that's the place for me. So uh, it was just a wonderful wonderful beach vacation. The The weather was beautiful. Now, the beach was a little bit tricky because it was a big reef. So there was snorkeling there, there was surfing, kiteboarding, but it wasn't a big, wide, sandy bottom beach that you could just go out and swim in there were there were breaks on the reef like on either side of the beach where it was sandy and you could get in the water and swim so you just had to kind of walk down there a little bit tricky uh you know and I do like to snorkel and there was snorkeling oh good but I'm afraid of snorkeling alone yeah so I I brought my snorkel equipment with me and they're like don't snorkel alone and I didn't want to go out to like the outer reef looked really scary. So I just waited till I saw a couple of other people get in <laughs> that looked like they didn't know what they were doing. And I followed them. <laughs> Good. Did you, did you like, secure I, any hand signals or anything? I'm in trouble or <laughs> let's go up. Or you just, you just kind of tagged along with the other snorkelers. I just, I, I just tagged along. Good thinking. And I could tell they were, and I'm like, I, I, I mean, maybe I should have said, Try to save me. Yeah. I know you don't know me, but <laughs> if you see me in distress, could you just keep an eye on me? <laughs> so uh, the best thing about this place came with everything. Chairs, umbrellas, outdoor beach shower, barbecue. It, it was great. And I went to the grocery store, which I enjoyed because mm. I enjoy going to grocery stores and other places. I mean, it's not a foreign country. It's Puerto Rico. Right. But it kind of seems like a foreign country. Um, so that that was fun. So I had all my meals. I, I never went out to dinner because, you know, I was beachfront and there was a beautiful sunset every night. There was no reason for me to, like, go out because I had sort of the best thing going right there. A little chair, table outside. Um, I, read, I read three books. It was just wonderful. You know, it was just like absolutely perfect for me. And I would like to go back there. So I did go and do some exploring. I had a rental car. Oh, so wow. I did have to drive. 
Yeah. Okay, so I had a drive, drive from San Juan to Isabella, which I enjoy adventurous driving. Yes. I, I kind of enjoy that. A little bit of tension, a little bit of excitement, don't know where you're going. Um, so I, and I stopped in a couple of towns along the way. So I had my little car and I went out a couple of days and went to some other, I went to Crash Boat Beach, which was a beautiful like uh, no waves, beautiful swimming beach, big white sand beach. And that was like 20 minutes away. And I went to Rincon, which is the surfing town. Oh, yeah. It's about a, that's about an hour and a half away. And then, Leanne, the big attraction there, you'll appreciate this. They, apparently, they have some caves. Oh, but, you know, <laughs> next to hiking. I hate caves most. I know. I mean, we've said it before on satellite. Dolan's. Don't do caves. No. You don't go in caves. No. We've we've passed by many caves. We're not going in caves. <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> I didn't do that. There was horseback riding on the beach. Yeah. There was a big horseback riding. Again, I'm not big on horses. They kind of scare me because yeah. you're up so high. So I just decided to like, keep it keep it local. You mm-hmm. know, stay in my little stay in my little enclave. Take lots of walks. Very relaxing, really lovely. I would highly recommend Villa Tropical. Look it up. Affordable. That was the other thing. Send, you know, send a link along if you have it or post it on the Facebook group if you want or just okay. anything about where you went because people will ask me and I won't, I won't know. Okay. Because so, okay, people I, will want to see try. this. I'm looking at some photos now um, from TripAdvisor, things to do in Isabella, Puerto Rico, and it does look absolutely gorgeous. Was the water warm? Yes. Is the Atlantic warm the water, there? Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Totally swimmable. Well, the weather was 82 and sunny every day. There wasn't one cloud. It was breezy. The water was beautiful, probably 78 degrees, completely swimmable water but i would say adventurous swimming you know right if you have small kids it may not be the place for you right because you had to kind of work a little bit to get in the water but um it, it was it was lovely yeah i would definitely go back there i will um i'll try to yeah post a link to it and, and now I- everyone will be planning trips to Villa Tropical. <laughs> well, and at the risk of at the risk of sounding like Julie, uh, did you what was the recovery effort like? Did you have a sense that things were in recovery mode there or were you happy to be there and support the economy? Was there a good oh, back and very forth? Happy. I You know what? I mean the tourist areas have been up and running. I mean downtown San Juan and the beaches, because I went to Isla Verde Beach, which is the beach downtown. Um, all the hotels are open now. Everything looks great. Isabella looks great. There's actually a lot of commerce there. They have a big Hewlett-Packard plant, and a, uh, there's an army base there, oh, an okay. airport. Uh, it, it looked great, but at my along my drive, because I did drive quite a bit, um, you could see some neighborhoods, some up on the hillside where there were abandoned houses and houses without roofs. And sometimes you would see a big pile of trees over. But, you know, other than that, the highway was great. Other than that, things look great. That's things good to look hear. really great. That's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go to the interior you like the mountains in Puerto Rico, which there are mountains there, um, which I know some people still don't have power there, I think. Um, so where I was, everything was looked back to normal. Yeah, it was great. Well, didn't the New York Times name Puerto Rico their number one place to go this year? Isn't yes, that... it was. Yes, yes they did. Yeah. As, as soon as I made the reservation <laughs> and we found out about the trip, and I told the neurosurgeon, I was like, I don't mean to say it, but the New York Times just said it was the number one place to go this year. And that's where we're going. So it was wonderful. Yeah, I would. I, I'd love to. And, you know, I never know. You never know when you're going to go back to Puerto Rico. Right. Or if I am. Right. So that's why I wanted to just make the most of it. It was, it was a great trip. Yeah. And then uh, coming back to Portland, 50, raining. How's that feel? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Feels awesome. You know, today we had our today we had our first snowstorm. Ooh. A real like ooh. I know, people in the Midwest are gonna laugh at me. And go ahead. 
Uh, we had a real. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but it was below freezing. It was about thirty. We yeah. had a, a, I would say, a solid inch and a half today in Portland, which is pretty. You know, right. everything. The grass was covered, right. and there's snow on the trees. So it was actually our first big snowstorm, a mini snowstorm, which was great because I love the snow. So um, yeah, can't I... have the beach. Might as well have the snow. And people should know the last time I think Monica and Satellite Sisters, you talked about driving around. Your car was actually duct taped together. And since that conversation, you've gotten a new car with some, oh, <laughs> some legit. I, I have made yeah quite an upgrade. Okay, <laughs> and I, I, oh, I have snow tires. Not only do I have all-wheel drive now, I have snow tires. So last year when we had a big snow, or the year before, I was the only one that came to work. Okay. So I am unstoppable <laughs> in that car now. <laughs> in fact, I like today when I saw the snow and ice, I was excited to drive to work. <laughs> so for those of you who may have been worried, Monica's car was still duct taped together. I'm just proud to no, say no. she's not she's not driving that car anymore. Well, Monica, good <laughs> checking in. Anything else happening? Anything else you want to fill us in on here? Uh, you know, I got a friend coming to town this weekend and... Nope, that's about it. I just got to get back to, I'm in my cubicle and got to get back to work. I know, we appreciate you call, literally calling it. Did you put a sign up on your door that said, do not disturb? I or, did. Yeah, okay. I put, a, I, I put a sign that said, do not disturb. And if anyone asked me, I'm just say I was talking to my therapist. That's... <laughs> I was like, I have a phone call, and I didn't want to go into the details about the, what the phone call was, so I just decided that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, well, it's fun that you could check in. I'm really glad. I appreciate it. And as I said, the line is always open. Uh, so for you and for Sheila, anytime. It's been fun to have you guys back. So did you did you check out any of Liz and Julie's pictures on Instagram? What do you think about that vacation? Wow, that that is that was ambitious. That was a lot more than I thought it was going to be. I thought they were going to take some walks, some two or three hour strolls. You know the kind we do in Bend. Yeah, yeah. To walk down by the river. Yeah, stop for coffee. Yeah, stop and have a coffee. I mean, that looked really ambitious. The scenery was, I'm sure, mind blowing and something you'll never forget. but the wind, whoo, the wind, the wind, yeah, that, that was ambitious. I'm, I'm really proud of them that they did that. that. That looked like a very physically challenging vacation, which I'm sure feels really good afterwards. And you have all those memories. So, you know, good for them getting out there, whew, doing it. Liz did say to me before she left, she said, the next vacation, I'm just going to go sit on a beach. I have to st- stop doing these vacations that I have to train for. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, Isabella, Puerto Rico, got the beach for her. All right. Monica, great talking to you. Head back to work. Keep Continue to save lives and make a difference in people's lives as opposed to me. Just kidding. Oh, Leanne. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Oh, that was fun to talk to Monica. She was really in the middle of work, so we appreciate her calling in. That's why I didn't want to I didn't want to preview it and bump people out if she couldn't be with us. But uh she does she does do a very thorough thorough job on vacation planning, so take a look at that Isabella. But don't all of you go there. Speaking of that, last week we spoke to Lauren Banks from Wild Terrains and you all were so enthusiastic about the Mexico City trip. Literally, it sold out within 24 hours, and I saw that Lauren just posted on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group that she's added another trip. So if that Mexico City trip sounded good to you, I got no skin in this game. I just thought it sounded like a really fun thing to do. I love seeing that our Satellite Sisters self-organized from all over the country, signed up, you know, or going with Lauren. And so she added another trip. So if you're interested, check out wildterrains.com. If you're not a member of our Facebook group yet, just um, you do have to 
you know, apply or whatever. Just Google it. Just search us on Facebook and then ask to be invited in. Uh, we're just looking for people who already listen to the podcast. So we know that we all have a similar similar thing happening. You understand sort of the rules of the Satellite Sisterhood. So that's it. You just have to answer a couple of questions and uh, and we'd love to have you there. But Lauren posted today that they opened up another trip. So if Puerto Rico is not your thing and Mexico City is, you can check that out. All right. In a second, we're going to connect with uh, Beth Howard about her book, Hausfrau Honeymoon, what it was like to be an expat living in Germany with a husband that she loved very much, but with a language and a people she didn't really love so much. (laughs) So we're going to talk to her about that. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. You can find out everything you need to know about the show at SatelliteSisters.com. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. Because (laughs) Because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would you like to share? Would you like to? I know I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? <laughs> That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. It's Leanne. I'm back. I'm really looking forward to talking to Beth Howard today. She is a writer that many of you know from her very popular blog, The World Needs More Pie. She is the author of a best-selling memoir called Making Peace, a memoir of love, loss, and pie. And today we're going to be talking to her about the latest book she's published. It's quite a love story and a story of the expat life and a story of marriage and making change and adjusting in various ways. And it's called Housefrau Honeymoon. Hi, Beth. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. Hi, Leanne. Thanks for having me. You know, you really have a big fan base already, all your pie fans. <laughs> <laughs> pie connects people, that's for sure. I always say it builds community. And I also think it vets people. Like, you know people are good. If they like pie, you just know they're good people. Right? Are there are there people that don't like pie? I mean, I can't bake pie, but I like pie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met anyone that doesn't like pie. I agree. In fact, it's just fun. When it comes up in conversation, people's eyes just light up and they they smile and they think of their grandmother or they think of some great story. And, you know, it's just such a good feel good subject. Well, we're going to talk about pie later on, but we want to start by talking about your delightful new book, Housefrau Honeymoon. And the subtitle is Love, Language, and Other Misadventures in Germany. And this is a story of how you met your husband, Marcus, and you moved to Germany, and you had to learn that darn language and learn to live in another country. And you went through a lot of trials and tribulations, good times and bad. And congratulations. The book is wonderful. Thank you. Now, I want I want to start with meeting Marcus because it literally reads like a romantic comedy. I'm sure someone has told you that. It reads like a movie. You spot him like at a national park at Crater Lake and then you have this chance encounter and then what happens, Beth? Set, set the scene for us. So, I'm on a road trip and I'm just in grubby clothes, jeans and a sweater, hair and a ponytail, no makeup and 
I had uh, gone to Crater Lake National Park on a whim. I, I saw the road sign. I was on my way to Bend, Oregon, checking it out to go see if maybe I wanted to move there. And at the very last second, my steering wheel like just turned to the right and I took the exit for Crater Lake National Park. And and I was having dinner in the lodge and I was in the lobby and I was I had actually weirdly there's the story is even crazier because I ran into a friend at, okay. when I got to the park at <laughs> an right. overview looking out over the overview and it, it was like how does this happen nobody knew I was there I didn't even know I was going to be there so I'm with this friend and she's got a baby and I'm holding her baby while she's in the bathroom and this handsome guy in these kind of wide-legged jeans and this boiled wool sweater and holding a book under his arm he's gorgeous and he starts chatting with me and I'm holding this baby just going oh my god I hope he knows this is not my baby I'm single I'm single <laughs> and <laughs> so we we talked for about 15 minutes and he had this beautiful accent a really sort of breathy voice and you could tell it was a European accent and uh, he said he was from Germany and I said oh I, I happen to know that um Germany imports a lot of coffee. And I mentioned the town of Bremen. And he said, that's where I was born. And it was all very exciting for him. And and then we said goodbye. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to see this person again. But I slipped him my card. And, uh, and then he kept in touch. And 18 months later, after a transcontinental romance, uh, we were married. All right. So 18 months later, you decide to marry the guy and move to Germany. Did you have any reservations about moving to a foreign country? No, not really. I was so in love. And I had traveled a lot. I had been all over the world. So I didn't think it was going to be any big deal to move to Germany. It's Western Europe. And plus, I had visited him quite a few times. And I really enjoyed my time when I was there visiting. (laughs) But living there was a different uh, experience altogether. How How so? Well, the language mainly is just like when you live there, you really want to integrate yourself. And, you know, keep in mind, I was married to a German. I wasn't in a military family like with the U.S. I had no American connections. I was thrust right into the German culture fully. And, you know, Marcus spoke perfect English, but but my German was like pretty much non-existent. I had taken a couple classes in Seattle before I moved over there and and then when I got there, I enrolled into the classes immediately, like intensive, immersive German classes, five hours a day in the classroom. But I would study and study and study, and then I would go out on the street, and I wouldn't understand a word. <laughs> so that was frustrating as I'll get out. I, they speak a different dialect. They teach high German in school, but then they speak a different dialect on the street. So I was very lost and also very humiliated because... You know, it'd be around Marcus's friends who speak excellent English, but when they switch to German and I try to keep up with it, you know, I was speaking like kindergarten level mm. German. Oh. <laughs> it was definitely humbling. Oh. <laughs> you know, if for people who don't know, German is a tough language in the sense that sort of the verbs are all at the end of the sentence and words are strung together in unusual ways and like piled on. So it doesn't even follow the syntax of English. It's a sort of completely different way of thinking about expressing your thoughts. Is that fair to say? Would you say that? That is so accurate. I say that it's like math. And, you know, it's also a memory test. You have to remember to put that verb on the end of the sentence. And you also have to conjugate it, right? Mm -hmm. And you have articles, you know, for the, there's like 16 ways to say the word the. You have to know the gender. And then they assign a gender to words that make no sense. Like a little girl is a neutral gender. (laughs) Where it's like, why is that not feminine? Anyway, it's, it's. You know, we have our rules in English, too, that are maddening to anyone trying to learn it. So I shouldn't complain too much. But it definitely is a hard language. I I had studied French and Spanish already. So, you know, those just come a lot more easily to me. It's clear from Hausfrau Honeymoon, too, that the Germans, you didn't get the sense that they were overwhelmingly friendly. They're just grumpy. They're pretty grumpy. Is that (laughs) that a fair characteristic? I've tried to learn a diplomatic way of saying it. I would say they're very direct. But it's just things like when you'd go to the grocery store, for example, and they want you to lay your wine bottles down on the conveyor belt. But they don't, if you don't do it, they don't ask you nicely, you know, they say, oh, ma'am, would you please lay your bottles down? No, they 
reprimand you. It's like public humiliation in front of everyone. They shout at you and tell you you have to lay your bottles down. Like, just tell me nicely. I just didn't know, you know. So there were a lot of times I went home crying from just, you know, the tone. Right, right. And what was it like with Marcus then when you would get home? Because you make the point in your book, like, he was really the only person you knew. And you you didn't have a lot of friends. So that's or I any friends, really. I definitely tried to make friends. There's yeah. no question. But but the, the one of the things that added to the problem was that Marcus was working very long hours because he was trying to get a promotion, which, I mean, he did get, but... But in order to get that, and he worked for Daimler, the company that makes Mercedes-Benz. Oh, and, I wondered who it was. Yeah, I yeah, don't recall you I, saying You know, that. I didn't say that in yeah. the book, but it's pretty obvious. I mean, it wasn't Portia. <laughs> right. I didn't know if it was Portia. That was and yeah. then the point. Yes, yeah, so clearly. Right. I figured, well, it's Stuttgart. Near Stuttgart. It's got to be one of them. Okay, got right. it. That or, you know, there's so many of these little manufacturers around Stuttgart, too, that make car parts. So, but yeah, he worked for Daimler and he worked very long hours. And so I didn't see a lot of him. And so that added to my issues there. You know, I was just feeling more and more isolated and really quite lonely and then frustrated. And and I've tried, as I point out in the book, I tried everything I could to be happy there. You know, I loved my husband. And when he was around and we had good times together, it was so good. And we would go on motorcycle rides all over Europe. I, you know, holding on to the back of him, crossing the Alps, going to Italy. It was France, you know, that's, I always joke too, that that was the best part of living in Germany was that it's, it's proximity to France and Italy. Leaving it. The best part of Germany yeah, was sorry. leaving. <laughs> I know, no offense to Germany. It's just that, you know, I, yeah. Well, <laughs> I you make, Italian food. What can I say? Yeah. At one point in the, in the book, you write, like, you don't ever hear about anybody fantasizing about going to Germany. That people don't, they'll, oh, they want to go to Tuscany. Oh, they want to go to Paris. But no one's like, oh, I really want to go to Germany. Like, no one ever says that when you meet them, even though it's a very nice country and they're very nice. But there are a lot of rules and there are a lot of efficiencies there, clearly. And that's kind of a different way to roll. So that was why it was hard to get my book published, because that's what publishers would say. Well, it's not romantic enough. If it were about France or Germany, we would publish it right away. Sorry, France or Italy, we would publish it right away. And I said, yeah, that's the whole point of my story. Why couldn't I have married a Frenchman or an Italian? But it's, yeah, I think it's still pretty, it's a pretty fun story. And I've had people say that even though they would never have wanted to pick up a book about Germany or an American woman who marries a German, um, they just really liked the story. So that's that's a compliment. Well, I found it fascinating, mainly because you're super honest, too. Like, it's clear this is not easy. What you're doing is not easy. And, in fact, a couple of times you kind of pack up and move back home or move to Los Angeles and get jobs and you take breaks from each other because you're really struggling. Was it hard to write about the reality and not the romantic side of this, you know, this rom-com? I I wrote it as a way of coping, you know, and trying to just sort of make light of it. I, I think that's what writing is useful, sort of therapy, but also, but still trying to just make fun of myself and of the situation. But, and, but really, I just wanted to show that the love was so strong, right. regardless of how hard the circumstances were. And we did try to find a way to make it work. And Marcus was pretty compromising, I would say very compromising. And, and I, yeah, I just, I, I did whatever I could to make it work. Now, at one point, you you do split up. It looks like you're separating. You moved to New York. You're taking some writing classes. You're figuring out, sounds like, next steps. And then he just shows up at the doorstep. And, and what does he tell you? You just gave away the happy ending. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, he shows up. I had said, look, if we're not, okay, well, let me back up. When I moved to Germany, he said, it's only for two years just until I get this promotion. Yeah. Well, he got the promotion and then the company said, but we need you to sign on here for another two years. So that meant four years in Germany. And I said, no, (laughs) I can't do it. So I said self-preservation was important to me. So I went back to L.A. and and then, like you said, New York. And then I thought, well, he's just not budging. He's not going to ever move. And he's still going to stay in Germany. But he came to New York to see me right on the cusp of like this must be over. He said, 
I got a job transfer to Portland, Oregon. Do you want to be with me? And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> so, which leads you to your next question, I presume. I know. Well, you know, you you actually this this is sort of the second book in a series. You wrote a book a couple of years ago that was a big bestseller called Making Peace, and that was about what happened, which is that you lost Marcus very young. He died a couple of years after that. And, you know, that book, Making Peace, is about your recovery and sort of finding your way through grief with various things. Was it – I'm wondering about the order. Was it hard to go back to this time in your life after you've already – written this book, Making Peace, and and figured out sort of what the next steps are after, you know, after he dies? What was what was that like to go back to this part of your life? Well, I did write Housefrau Honeymoon in real time when Marcus was still alive. Oh, so, yeah, I didn't realize so that. I, okay. That's an old manuscript that I said, oh. hey, why is this just sitting here? I'm going to pull it out and, and finally get it published. I wanted it to see the light of day. I really... Oh. I didn't know that. Okay. But to your point, when I read the manuscript, after having not looked at it for 10 years or so, I, I have to say that it did sort of thrust me back into uh, feeling grief, you know, feeling the loss, but it also reminded me of why I loved him so much. And I hope that that's what readers take away too, because I think some people when they read making peace, didn't understand why, I was grieving so, so deeply. And I think, I think House for a Honeymoon really shows that, you know, there was really something strong between us that you just, you can't maybe explain it, but, you know, love is, love is mysterious, right? Yeah. I mean, clearly just the fact that like this, this one incident at Crater Lake National Park where I've been before, I'm like, even driving up that road is insane. So, uh, that that led to this is unbelievable to me, that there was that sense of attraction and, you know, maybe you're the one right off the bat. Yeah, that definitely comes through throughout the whole book and, you know, makes makes sense now. I get it. Makes sense to me. I was like, boy, this must have been really hard to kind of go uh, back and revisit that time after, after you know, years, as you said, a decade. Yeah, but you're, but you're right because it definitely brought up a lot of my grief again. And, you know, it's it's – that's always going to be with me for the rest of my life. That that grief is never going to go away. And uh, yeah, I'm still writing about Marcus. That's, <laughs> that's he's still featuring in all of my stories. It's sort of ironic, you know. He's been gone almost ten years. It'll be ten years in August. And tell people where you are now. So what are you up to now? Right. So remember that road sign for Crater Lake National Park that I said I took a split second turn and, yes. and that led me to meeting Marcus? Well, it happened again. Okay. I was, uh, it was the one year anniversary of Marcus's death. And I said, I, I just, I have to get back to living my life again. So I took a road trip before, uh, before I was going to dig into like getting another career job, get my life started again, I thought, okay, first I'm going to take a, a couple of weeks and do a road trip to Iowa, which is where I'm from. And at that point, I had been doing a pie blog and um, was trying to put together actually a, a TV show about pie. And so there's, you can start to see this theme coming now. Pie helped heal my grief by making it and sharing it with others. So I was pursuing pie stories and I went back to Iowa to go be a pie judge at the Iowa State Fair. And after the fair, I drove down to Ottumwa, Iowa, which is my birthplace. And I hadn't been there in probably 30 years. And just after I left Ottumwa, right after I said, well, I'll never be back here again. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get back to California. I drove past one of those national monument signs, you know, brown with the white letters, and it said American Gothic House, six miles. And I was like, what? I didn't know that that house was in Iowa. It was the the little white farmhouse that was in Grant Wood's very famous painting, the iconic painting, American Gothic, you know, the couple with a picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So I... I was like, well, hey, it worked for Crater Lake. I'm not, I'm not even going to hesitate this, sign, this time. And I, I took the turn and uh, I went to visit the American Gothic House. And once again, my life 
changed completely. <laughs> you know, you have to watch out for these signs, okay. Leanne. I'm telling you, um, literal so, literal signs. I think I was waiting. Literally, road signs <laughs> that say this way, <laughs> six miles. I I fell in love with this little white farmhouse and found out it was for rent. You know, it's a tourist attraction, but it wasn't open to the public. It was a, a being rented out as a private residence, but nobody had lived in it in couple of, in like, I don't know, two years. And I found out it was her rent and it was $250 a month, which oh. is what I was paying for my storage unit in right. Portland, Oregon. So <laughs> I was like, well, this is a, you know, I have to rent this house. And I thought, well, I'll just maybe be here for a couple of months. I'll, I'll just use it as a kind of a respite before I, you know, finally go back to LA and get a real job again. And I ended up staying four years and I started making pie for something to do. And it was just going to be a little weekend thing, like, oh, a little bake sale on the weekends. And it turned into this crazy popular, famous pie stand. I called it the Pitchfork Pie Stand. And I ran it every weekend in the summer months and tourists would come and get pie and they started lining up. And one of those customers was a farmer named Doug, and mm -hmm. he lives about 50 minutes from the American Gothic house. And anyway, that's a whole book in itself. Long story short, I live with Doug on his farm in southeast Iowa. Can I ask one pie question before we, uh, before we head out? Someone wanted to know, well, two pie questions. One, why is pie intimidating? Like, why do people like me who are not bakers and someone else asked this on our Facebook question, like, why does pie freak people out? It's basically I blame. The I can tell you that I blame Martha Stewart. OK, <laughs> I, you know, not seriously, but, you know, people think they need to make a perfect pie. Yeah. So they're afraid to even try. And that's, you know, one of the things that I preach is that it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, pie is such a metaphor for life anyway. It's like just face your fears, you know, give it a try. And the other thing is don't follow all the rules. That's my biggest thing is like, you can't follow the recipe exactly because different flowers have different moisture content and, you know, different climates have different moisture content. So how do you know how much water your dough needs? I think people don't put enough water in their dough. That's my take on it. You know, they, it doesn't hold together. So, okay, add some more water. Don't be afraid to break out of the guidelines, that, you know, that the, the cookbook says only five tablespoons, not a drop more. And I go, forget it. You have to pay attention to what's happening in front of you and add as much water as your dough needs to get it to hold together. And then I have this other um, helpful tip, which is it's a pie scraper. It's a little tool. It's a just a piece of metal of rectangle I think they call it the bash and chop or you can you know you can get these things at Dollar Tree for one dollar it's a little metal dough scraper that will help you lift your dough off of the rolling surface and because that's the, another one that people I just can't get it into the dish it falls apart and you know and also don't worry about if you have cracks in your crust or dough and I always say hey it's the bottom you're gonna have fruit in it or whatever filling and no one's gonna see it so I think people need to relax more and just try it. People appreciate homemade pie so much. And the fact that you took the time to try to make something and share it with somebody is so appreciated. And that's why I say the world needs more pie. And to that, I would say homemade pie. And <laughs> right? Get over your fears. Sorry. I get I, very preachy when it comes no, to pie. No, it is a metaphor. I feel uplifted. Maybe next year my theme will be something about pie. Out of this year, it's every day I'm brussling uh, about Brussels spouts. Well, I like but... to say that if you can get past your fear of making pie, then you could tackle something else, right? Then you fear of other subjects that you're afraid of. So it's just right? Could have a good snowball effect. Positive. Exactly. Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Beth has one main website, BethHoward.com, uh, but that leads to um, BethMHoward.com. We'll put links at SatelliteSisters.com okay. to everything. So BethMHoward.com. And you can also go to TheWorldNeedsMorePie.com. There you go. TheWorldNeedsMorePie.com. The book that has just come out is called Housefrau Honeymoon. Beth, we appreciate you being here today on Satellite Sisters. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. This is Satellite Sisters. Thanks for listening. We're back. 
All right. Wow, a fun show and fun to talk to Monica. Interesting to talk to Beth Howard. She really has a lot of great stuff on her website, so you're definitely going to want to check that out. I know she has a lot of Pi fans and already listeners in the Satellite Sisterhood, so it's fun when those worlds collide. I appreciate that. Um, I just want to wrap up a few things here uh, now that I have my own show. Finally, one quick follow-up. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I actually was awarded a writing residency. Now, these are just, they vary in in shape and size writing residencies, but writers apply, and sometimes you go and you get just a house or a cabin or a condo or a place to go write for a week, and that's what you get. Sometimes it's a community of writers, and you're invited in, and you're all there together. And there are dozens of these all over the country, and I've been applying to them for years and, and rejected for years. But I was recently awarded a residency with a program called Writing Between the Vines. And so I'm going in March up to Sebastopol, California, which has a lot of vineyards, and I'll be writing in a cabin on a vineyard for a week. But as part of this residency, I'm having a reading at the vineyard. And I just got the details this week. So I just wanted to put it out there. If there's anyone up in Sonoma County Uh, or nearby Northern California, and they're looking for a delightful activity on a Sunday afternoon, I will be reading Sunday, March 10th at 1.30 at the Horse and Plow Vineyard in Sebastopol, California. Just me reading, but apparently I'm excited. They, they're going to order my books. There'll be a bookstore there, Copperfields, a local bookstore will be selling books. But then the vineyard is going to match wines to my book. I don't know what... (laughs) I don't know what that means, people. I don't know what that means. But if you want to come and hear me read and hear me do a talk, I'm actually going to be reading from a new work that I'm working on, so not the old thing. And I'm going to tell a few stories and do a little thing there in the tasting room in the vineyard and then have some wine and say hello. I would love to see you. I think there could be one or two other people there, so it won't be crowded. <laughs> I don't imagine, but that is Sunday, March 10 at 1.30. I'm going to be at the Horse and Plow Vineyard. After that, I just have to go to work. I'm really there to write, so this is my only social time. I arrive Saturday. I'm writing, 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 writing Sunday morning, do the reading, and then I'm writing for four more days and heading home. That's my plan, but I wanted to announce that. Also, next week on the show, Julie and Liz will be back from their big trip in Patagonia, Argentina. If you haven't had a chance to see their many, many Instagram uh, shots, you're going to want to follow along at Sat Sisters. That's our Instagram handle or uh, hashtag Sat Sisters Travel. You can see all of the um, photos they posted. They've done quite a few videos. There's been live feeds. I know they're going crazy on the Instagram. So if you want to catch up on their trip to Argentina before they arrive back in the country, please do that. And that's on Instagram. And they've also been posting on Facebook at our Facebook group. So again, that's the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. We would like to thank our sponsors for this week. We'd like to thank Policy Genius, Care.com, Me Undies and Ritual for supporting Satellite Sisters. And thanks to all of you for supporting the people that support us. Thanks to Monica Dolan for showing up on our coffee break. Thanks to Beth Howard. And thanks to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. All right, it's been fun to be with you today. I'm looking forward to Liz and Julie coming back. I kind of like it here by myself. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget. Call your satellite sister.